0: Welcome, everyone, to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? You feeling pretty good? I hope that you are excited to be here today. We are starting a brand new series today called Love is a Verb. And I love starting a new series because there's new content. I get all excited about it. Um, But before we dive into our brand new series today, a couple of thoughts really quick. How many of you were with us on Friday night for our night of worship? Was that not incredible? That was so exciting. We got to spend about an hour just praising God and reflecting back to him his glory his value in our lives. We actually have a picture of Friday night. Wasn't this awesome? When we kind of had that big explosion. That was so much fun. For those of you who missed it, man, you really missed out on a great time. Did they not miss it out? Miss out on that? <laughs> And so, uh, hey, here's the deal. If you love that and if it really filled up your heart, uh, keep an eye on the calendar. We're going to be doing another one coming up here in the fall uh, shortly. And so uh, keep an eye on that. You're going to want to put that on your calendar. It's very, very exciting. Something else uh, I want to mention that is exciting uh, that my team told me this week they said that our online presence is really growing. In fact, in the last seven days, we have had almost 17,000, 17,000 views on our podcast or our Vimeo channel, just people watching series and watching the sermons. And I just thought, that's incredible, With 17,000 people. That, that spans over 29 different states in our country uh, and eight countries in the world. Is that not incredible <laughs> what God is doing through our podcast? And so, if you're, if you're watching us today online, if you're in a different country, if you're in a different state, we want to welcome you to our service today. And so, so today we're starting a brand new series called Love is a Verb." Very, very exciting. Hey, if you're in any kind of relationship whatsoever, this series is going to help you. If you're engaged, if you're dating, if you're married, if you're single, if you have roommates, classmates, teammates, whatever it is that you have, even if you just have a pet, anybody have a pet? <laughs> You are in a relationship, okay? And and if you're normal, you have a dog, and if you're abnormal, you have a cat. Isn't that right? (laughs) Any cat people out there? Don't understand that. Another sermon for another day um but anyway is serious is for everybody because all of us are in relationships in fact the first feeling i have in your notes there if you're a note taker by the way you forget most of what you don't write down watch this we all live in the context of relationships like our life plays itself out in the context of relationships think of your fondest memory of all time right You were with someone. I remember my greatest memory thus far in my life is the day that my wife gave birth. I have to say this properly. When my wife had our first child, because I just watched, okay? When she had our first child, I remember what an incredible day. We brought this living being home from the hospital. I can't believe they trusted us. Like these doctors, they said, hey, here's this this person that now you're responsible to make sure lives you know I'm thinking oh my gosh I'm 21 years old how 22 years old how do we do that not sure it worked out but that, but you know that initial feeling and it was just an incredible moment in my life and I can still remember taking the car seat out of the car and closing the door and walking into the home with this person this baby and what an incredible memory guess what I wasn't by myself my wife was there my new baby was there And if you think about your fondest memory in your life, I guarantee you, you were with other people. In fact, if you think of your worst memory in the world, the time that you regret, that party you went to, the time you did that thing when you got arrested or whatever, (laughs) uh, guess what? You were probably with some people. You were probably with the wrong people. Anyway, (laughs) we live our lives in the context of Relationships. Nobody lives in isolation. It's just a fact. Now, here's something else that's true. Harvey McKay said it this way. Watch this. He said that the quality of your life is determined. I believe this with all my heart. The quality of, of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships in other, in other words if you're experiencing a very high quality of life it's probably because you have really good relationships in your life you're you're doing well with your spouse or if you're married you're doing well with your you know your roommates if you're single or whoever it is that's in your life you have really good relationships going and so you're experiencing a very high quality of life now the opposite is also true if your life is kind of falling apart and you're depressed and you're discouraged and you're probably at odds with some very important people in your life Perhaps it's a spouse, perhaps it's, a, it's, a, it's an employer, or some coworkers, or some classmates or teammates, and you look around, and you're just at odds with these different people, and so you're experiencing a very low quality of life. Do you agree with this, yes or no? This is generally true in our lives. So it behooves us to really just say, I need to work on my relationships. Because when I work on my relationships, guess what? The quality of my life goes up. It gets better and better and better. And so that's why we're going to do four weeks on this whole idea of how to improve our relationships. Now let me talk about something that we kind of, it's kind of foundational in this series. I want to talk about how God has made us and some of the human needs that we have, human relational needs that we have. This is foundational for the entire series. You know, you and I come out of our mother's womb with some really important needs. Let me talk about a few of them. The first one is security. As babies, we come out as children. We need to know that the world is safe, and that's why God has created the home, your know, father and the mother, to kind of create this environment that said that tells the child, you know, everything outside of the home may be going crazy, but inside, guess what? It's safe. It's secure in this home. Another one is this support. Just that I'm not alone, like children need to know that they're not alone in this world, that when they fall down, they've got someone to come alongside of them and support them and say, hey, guess what? I'm there for you when you fall. Another one is acceptance. Every single human baby child that grows up needs to know that there is a place for them in this world. Like there's a spot at the table for them. Did you grow up in a home where you had multiple siblings? Anybody? I did. I had two older brothers. And each one of us had a place at the table where we sat, and it was like, well, that's my seat, you know, and, and then so that was kind of the way it was, and I knew that uh, even though I was the youngest and at the bottom of the totem pole and suffered a lot of abuse because of that, I'm okay, I'm all right, I'm all right, I tell myself that. Um, I at least I had a place at the table. That was like kind of where I sat, right? And so we all have this need for acceptance. Like, do I fit in? Do I belong? And then this other one is just simply appreciation. Do I matter? Like, what I bring to the table, what I do, does it even make a difference? Is it significant? Is it important? And every single child needs to have these relational needs met. Now, we need God for sure. I'm not saying that we don't need God. God is the primary other in a human being's life. In fact, in the book of Genesis, it says that it's not good for man to be a- alone, right? So yes we, yes, we have God, but then we also have these relational needs that need to be met. When a person has these relational needs met, primarily through their mother and their father, guess what? They're, they're kind of ready for the, when they graduate and they leave the home. They're kind of prepared for life. They, they know who they are. They are good. They have a strong sense of identity. They have a strong sense, sense of their worth. They know that they matter. They know that they have a place in this world, and they're kind of ready to go out, you know, as good as, as well as they could be, right, prepared to go out into this world and go to college and go, go get a job and All that good stuff. Now, some of you are looking at this and you're saying, I didn't grow up in a home where we had any of these. Security, support, acceptance, appreciation. Well, that's why you're screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) That explains a lot right there. Because you're supposed to, you're supposed to have these needs met by your mother and your father. And then your siblings are supposed to help too, but they, they just destroy you, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> and your coaches and your teachers and your classmates, they're supposed to help too. But, but unfortunately, it, it, it's, it's rare when you find a person that's grown up in a home where, where they had these relational needs met. It's more like chaos in the home, right? There's divorces and people leaving, coming and going, there's stepbrothers, stepsisters, there's abuse here and there, there's all these other things going on. It's very rare to find a person who's grown up and had all these needs met in their family, which is why it makes relationships really hard. In your notes, this is how I wrote it, healthy relationships are really hard. See, we can't just say that. We can't just say, hey, aren't relationships hard? No, we have to talk about why they're hard. The reason relationships are hard is because when we were growing up in different times in our life, we didn't have our relational human needs met in the right way. In fact, the opposite is true. Dallas Willard has written an incredible book called The Renovation of the Heart. Renovation of the Heart, fantastic books, changed my life, in that book he has a chapter in there on the social context or the social relationships the social part of our life and he describes two things that happen that are normal they're not supposed to be normal but they are normal and the first one is this assault assault most of us experience starting in the home and then outside of the home especially middle school anybody remember middle school some of you were in middle school a lot of assault going out of middle school People making fun of you people hurting you people picking on you people now it's the social media where there's a whole other level of that stuff going on in our world today assault people get arrested for assault and battery they punch someone they kick somebody right but physical assault is not all there is in fact i think emotional support uh assault emotional assault or verbal assault can sometimes be more painful or more damaging than a punch in the face Do you agree with this assault what does dallas say assault is he says this in the book we assault others when we act against what is good for them ever have someone do that to you have you ever done that to someone ever have a parent do this as a parent have you ever done this for your child to your child unfortunately because of sin and all the stuff that's happened inside of the human race and in my heart and in your heart We end up assaulting one another instead of providing support and security and acceptance and affirmation and appreciation. We assault each other, and there's damage there that's done. Another thing Dallas talks about that's normal, that shouldn't be normal, is withdrawal. Withdrawal. People just getting cold, people drifting away. He describes withdrawal this way in the book. We withdraw from someone when we regard their well-being and goodness as matters of indifference we simply don't care we simply could care less or someone could care less about your well-being ever felt that people just getting cold withdrawing some of you've had parents just leave the home just up and leave gone no no real reason no real you know why in fact I was talking with one of our staff members about these two things assault and withdrawal and he said something very insightful. He said, you know, at least assault is kind of simple and clear. You know, someone punched you in the face, right? You get that. (laughs) Or they said, I hate you, right? And they they assault you with their fists or their words. And then, you know, if you want to reconcile, you could say, well, forgive me for that. I shouldn't have hit you. I shouldn't have said that. No, okay, okay, I forgive you. And then you can kind of move on. It's cut and dry. It's black and white, right? It's painful, but at least you can move on. Withdrawal is a little bit different. Withdrawal is kind of complicated. You don't really have answers. Well, why did she leave? Well, how come how come he unfriended me on Facebook? How come they don't text anymore? How come they, that person left my life? A lot of unanswered questions there. I don't know, I don't know. I don't. Is it because of me? Did my father leave because I, I'm not a, a, a good enough for my dad? I'm not, you know, I'm not pretty enough for my, for my father or whatever? Is that why he left? Is it my fault, right? A lot of unanswered questions. So in a lot of ways withdrawal can be more painful than physical assault. And because of assault and withdrawal, guess what happens? Our needs for security, our need for support, our need for acceptance and affirmation and appreciation go unmet, and you and I end up with a deficit, a deficit inside of us. Emotionally, there's a shortfall, okay? In the first service, I called everybody a smurf, okay? Basically, you're a smurf. (laughs) Remember them, little blue guys? (laughs) You didn't grow, you're deformed, you're a little bit, you're short-changed. Because now, now, instead of having all of your emotional needs met, you have a shortfall and a deficit. So why is it hard to be in a relationship with somebody? Because they have deficits. Because you have a deficit. Am I making sense? In fact, I believe this is true in your notes. Much of human behavior is actually compensation for the deficits that we have much of what we do much of what you do not all but much of what we do the person in your life your spouse your friends whoever your classmates teammates coworker whoever much of human behavior is actually a compensation for the deficits for the shortfalls for the fact that you never had someone answer the question of security or support or appreciation or affirmation or acceptance See, there's a reason why, ladies, that he works so much. There's a reason why he does overtime all the time. Trying to prove, trying to gain, trying to, trying to answer the question of his soul. Am I valuable? Am I important through work and through an income? There's a reason he works so much. There's a reason, guys, that she spends so much time working on her appearance in front of the mirror. There's a reason for that. It's, it's not... It's not a sin necessarily to do that, but there's a reason why we're spending so much time focusing on our physical appearance. There's a lot of unanswered questions of value there. Am I value? Am I beautiful? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, let me go ahead and try to answer that question by, by taking care of my physical appearance. See, there's a reason why he numbs himself all the time with alcohol or drugs or endless hours of pornography or video games. There's a reason behind that behavior, right? And a lot, of what he, a lot of what it is is compensation for the deficits that we have as children. This is why it's hard to be in relationships with people. This is why people do crazy stuff. And you think, why does she act that way? Why does she always have to be the center of attention in every conversation? Have, have you ever asked yourself that question? <laughs> the reason that she has to be the center of attention and the center of the conversation in everything is because there's there's compensation going on a lot of unanswered questions in the soul see that why does she shop so much why does he spend so much time online why does he spend so much time golfing and trying to get his score lower and lower and lower is he trying to make it onto the tour come on it's compensation a lot of unanswered questions in the soul about who am I? Am I important? Do I have value? Where's my place in the world? See, much of human behavior is compensation for the deficits. Now, this is why it's so hard to be in relationships with people. You understand this? We can't just say our oh, relationships are hard. Isn't it? Isn't that true? We can't just say that. See, we you are complicated. I'm complicated. When I, when I get into a relationship with someone, guess what I bring into that relationship, guys? Come on, guess what I bring in? my deficits. You bring your deficits into the relationship, and the other people has to, the other person has to deal with them. It's funny, sometimes I'll be talking to married couples, and they're newlyweds, and they're so excited, and it's all mushy, and it's all romantic, and it's fun, and then six months later, you see them. (laughs) You know, and what they've discovered in those six months after the wedding days? What, what, what did they discover? The deficits. Oh, nobody paid attention to you when you were growing up, did they? <laughs> right? And, now, you're, and now, you're, now you have to deal with the deficits of your spouse. See that? This is why relationships are so hard. And it's into this scenario, it's into this situation, it's into this predicament that we find ourselves, that Jesus speaks. And he gives us so much help and so much hope. John chapter 13, watch this. A new command I give you, now you've got to hear this command through everything I just said for the last 20 minutes. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, just in case you were wondering what that means, as I have loved you, here's what I want you to do, love one another. He says this, so you, say it with me, must, you must do this. This is something you must do. Now, our culture has gotten love confused with feelings and romance and sex. Our culture has just just totally, totally screwed this up. Jesus doesn't say here, here's what I want you to do. New command I give to you, feel passionately about one another. (laughs) Now he tells us, I want you to go and do something. And here's how I can prove that. Because I did something for you. I laid my life down as a sacrifice on the cross. I allowed nails to go through my hands and through my feet, and I allowed them to put a crown on my head, and I allowed them to whip my back until there was no no skin left. My blood was spilled for you. I took action. I laid my life down for you so that you could experience reconciliation with my Father. I didn't just feel a certain way about you, although he did. I took action. And I died on the cross and rose again. As I have loved you, so you must take action. See that? Now, before I get into all that, and that's going to come here in just a moment, let's talk about this word must. How many of you have ever had a should in your life? A should. I should exercise more. I should eat more vegetables. I should read my Bible more. I should floss. I should, here's a big one, I should, we should get on a budget, we should, should a lot of shoulds, should, 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 Should. you got a should list? <laughs> right? We got to burn those babies, we got to get rid of the should list. <laughs> Have you ever seen somebody should turn into a must? It's powerful, usually it happens when some dude has a heart attack, you know, he's like 50 years old, he's eating a lot of cheeseburgers, a lot of pizza, then he has the... And he makes it through. He makes it through the heart attack. And what does he do? All of his shoulds turn into musts. Have you, have you seen this, right? Now he starts eating salad instead of burgers. You know, he starts eating carrots instead of chips. He starts to get in the treadmill. His shoulds, his list of shoulds went into the must category. Why? Because he wants to live. He had, the, he had a heart attack, right? Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You got, this isn't a should idea. This is a must idea. You cannot have healthy relationships by saying, I should love her, I should love him. You must. One of our staff members was talking to me about tooth enamel. And in the context of this this conversation and this sermon, I thought, what the heck are you talking about? (laughs) She said, no, no, hang with me. And she started to talk about how you have to have tooth enamel. Well, I was like, well, what is tooth enamel? It's the hard stuff on your teeth, right? It's the hardest mineral in the human body. Here's a picture of what it looks like. Somebody's got really, really good tooth enamel. looks like that. And I think those teeth are fake, but, you know. <laughs> if, they, if those puppies are real, those is, that's some real enamel right there. You agree with this? <laughs> now, tooth enamel protects your teeth from, you know, cavities and, and gingivitis and all kinds of terrible things, right? And then you have to have tooth enamel on your teeth because without it, your teeth end up looking like this. Watch this. This is that. <laughs> I know, is that terrible? This is one of the better pictures we found, too. I was like, what, like what's this right here? Like, what, what is that? And then it was like, I don't know. Ooh, that's bad. And so what ends up happening without tooth enamel, you can take that down, yeah, because everybody... <laughs> Your teeth are, you know, they become weak and, you know, you start to get cavities. And and this is why dentists tell you not to drink a lot of soda because it's the sugar in all the soda and all the sugary things that eats away at the the enamel. In fact, there's a whole body of research out there, I'm told. I haven't researched it myself. This is if you don't have proper, you know, uh, uh, dental health, if you don't take care of your teeth, it could actually lead to death. It's incredible. Because you need, you you must have tooth enamel in order to have a healthy mouth and a healthy life. It's incredible. Do you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, you must, you must have love if you want to have healthy relationships. One time, somebody came to Jesus and said, okay, how do I, how do I inherit eternal life? Like, tell me, tell me, what's the deal? Jesus says, well, what's the law say? And this guy happened to be an expert in the law, Luke chapter 10 the guy says, well, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, great job. Go do that. You'll have life. Well, the guy wanted to justify himself. He wanted to kind of, he pushed it a little bit with Jesus. So he asked this question in Luke chapter 10. He says, well, who's my neighbor? Like, who would who, be my neighbor? Like, Jesus answers by telling a story. He says, in reply, a man, he, Jesus tells this story. Watch this. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Remember what we said withdrawal is? Withdrawal is just simply an indifference for someone's well-being. I don't care. Oh, look, a half-dead guy. Right? He withdrew. Verse 32. So too, a Levite, when he came to that place, he saw him, he passed by on the other side as well. But when a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. So, so there's compassion. There's, like, oh, look at this guy. Watch what happens. Watch what, watch what is produced from this compassion. He went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, or two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. He must have stayed the whole night. And if he didn't stay the whole night, he went home and came back in the morning. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. One word about emotion. He took pity. Eight verbs. Did you count them? I put them in yellow for you eight action words. Jesus is answering two questions here. Who is my neighbor? A neighbor is nighbor, someone who's close. Jesus is saying, you know, you know who you need to take action to love? Somebody who's within your proximity, somebody you can touch. There's the answer to the first question. And the answer to the second question is, what is love? Love is action. Love turns out to be a verb. It's something that you do it's a you bandage you get down you put somebody on your donkey you take them to the inn you pay their bill you then you 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 reimburse if they need more that's what love looks like love see people are confused about love they really are people say this to me when they're struggling in their marriage well we just don't love each other anymore which i think is funny (laughs) because i've been married for 17 years and i hear really what i know what they're saying they're saying this i just don't feel good about her anymore it's like yeah tell me about it I'm married too. See, you can't pull that. You can't pull that one on me because I'm married too. What you're really saying is you you don't like her anymore. You don't have any feelings left, but you're mistaking feelings for love. See, people say we've fallen out of love. No, you haven't. You just don't like him anymore. (laughs) Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It's bandaging. It's getting down and taking care of somebody. It's picking them up and putting them on the the donkey. It's taking them into town. It's paying their bill. It's reimbursing for their expenses. That's what love really is. See, if assault is basically doing something that's not in someone's best interest, and if withdrawal is just simply not caring about someone's well-being, let me give you the definition of love. Love is caring about and doing what is best for another. That's what love is. That's someone's in my proximity. I have the ability to help, I care, and I act. You care, and you act. That's what love looks like. First John chapter 3 verse 18 puts it this way: "Dear children, let's not really say that we love each other. Oh, we love each other. love, love, love. But let's like talk about love. <laughs> Don't just talk about it. Let us show the truth by our, say it with me, actions. Love does. There's a book called Love Does. Have you read it? Love is a verb. Love is something you do. Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. I sacrificed my life for you. So what does this look like practically? I mess it up all the time. Unfortunately, a lot of times in my home, There's a lot of assault and there's a lot of withdrawal. Working on that. Trying to create a home where there's a lot of of love, a lot of verbing (laughs) going on. So the other day I had an opportunity, we were on our way to our basketball game on the north side. Um, My oldest son had a game. And uh, I was in the car, my wife had something to do and my other son was sleeping over at a friend's house. So it was just me and Ruby, me and my daughter, me and my 11 year old girl. 35 minutes, captive audience. You know, what am I gonna let her do? Am I gonna put music on? Am I gonna let her do the tablet thing, boom, you know? Nope, nope. God says, I want you to talk to your daughter. It's this new thing called communication. (laughs) And so we got some music playing and I'm I'm playing some worship music and I'm just like, okay, you know. 11 11 year old girls are a little complicated. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Like, Like, so how do you, you know, talk and all that stuff and just have conversation, meaningful conversation anyway. So God allows this song to come on the radio, and it's about how God makes beautiful things out of people. And I got to thinking about, you know, what does my daughter really need? She's 11 years old right now, and she's, her, she's going through, you know, changes and all that stuff, and what does she need from her dad? And I thought, she needs to know her value. She needs to know from her dad how, how what God is doing in her life. And so I began to just kind of talk to her about what God is making out of her, how he's making her into a beautiful woman and there's changes going on in her life and, and how he's going to turn her into this unbelievably godly woman who's going to be able to serve Christ and give and make a difference with her life. And I just tried to go through all these different emotional needs that she had and I didn't know if I was doing okay or not. You know, you never really know, do you? And so we have this long talk and we get to the, we get to the gym, we pull in and I don't know if it's been meaningful or not. We get out of the car, we're walking to the gym. She, she grabs my hand. And me and my 11-year-old girl walk into the gym hands in, uh, hand in hand. And we get into the gym and we pay, we pay to get in and we go sit up in the bleachers and she sits with me. And then she, uh, uh, when the game started, she put her head on my shoulder and she said to me, Daddy, I love you. And it was just one of these moments where I thought, Oh, this is it. I've, I've, sp- I've, I've spoken into... The, the emotional relational needs. Now, I don't always get this right. Please know it's an incredibly sloppy parent. I really, really am. But in this moment, it's like I spoke into that, and I won over her heart. And then two little girls came over and said, Ruby, Ruby, and then, you know, she was gone. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Those moments only last so long, you know? Here's why I took the time to do that, because I know, I know that I know that I know in the next couple of years my daughter's gonna meet some 15-year-old boy who's in heat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and this 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 15-year-old boy who's in heat, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna use a few lines. He's gonna use a few lines, you know what I mean? Probably lame lines. And he's going to start saying a couple things about how my daughter looks and how, how my daughter makes him feel and all that stuff. And listen, just, we're just going to shoot straight here. If my, my daughter is not able to look at him and say, look, dude, you're just horny. look Like, that's, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, if she can't do that, she's in trouble. And the only, reason, the only way she's going to be able to do that and like stand firm and kind of see through all the, the, all the words that this boy tries to use is if I answer the questions of her soul. Now at 11 years old, you are valuable. You are beautiful. You are special. God has a plan for your life. You're going to make a difference. You have value. If I don't answer those questions, somebody else will. And then she's going to make, make some bad choices with some 15-year-old boy. Then I'm going to have to break his neck, and then I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> a lot at stake here, isn't it? How do you, how do you love? Well, here, here, here's what love is. Ready? Love is simply caring about and doing what is best for another person. Love is a verb. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's things that we do. And when we love well, watch this. When we love well, here's what ends up happening. We close the deficit. We close the deficit. We heal the wounds in people's hearts, the shortfalls. Now, of course, that people need God. We can't be God in somebody's life, but guess what? God can use us to help heal some of the brokenness in people's lives. And so we speak into people's lives, and we take action in people's lives to help heal those broken spots. And by default, guess what, as you, as you speak into people's lives and if you, as you take action in people's lives and the deficits begin to close, by default, guess what happens? Your relationships get better and the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. So as you love well, guess who you're really helping? Yourself. You see how that comes? You see how that happens? as i love well the people in my life as i help to close the deficits in their hearts my relationships get better and the quality of my life gets better wow that's powerful let me ask you a question as we wrap up what actions do you need to take in your relationships and here's what i'm really asking who do you need to put on your donkey huh huh isn't that a good question like who needs to who do who do you who is half dead and you need to pick up and put on your donkey and take them into town, pay their bill, bandage their wounds, pour some oil. Who do you need to verb? Who is it? Your life will only change when you take action. That's it. It's not gonna change because you heard this message. Trust me, I've heard tons and tons and tons and tons of messages. Life doesn't change because you heard a message. Life changes when you take action on what you heard. Yes? Let me pray for us. And after I pray, we're going to have a song. And I want you to think about the actions you need to take during this last song. And then I'll come back up and close. Father in heaven, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, for taking, taking the first step. You took action. Help us to follow your example. Let us not talk about love Let us prove that we love by taking actions in our life. Father, help us to close the deficits in people's lives, the hurt, the pain, the unanswered questions in our spouse's life, in our friend's lives. Help us to love well. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Да. Bible says that God is love. The Bible says that He loves us, but it didn't stop there. He took action. It also says that He loved us so much that He sent His one and only Son into this world to die on a cross, to become a sacrifice. God took on the form of a man. Can you imagine that? He humbled Himself, became a man, allowed Himself to be humiliated on a cross so that you and I could experience the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. Why? Because he loved us. He took action. He removed the barrier, the thing that separated you and I from him, sin. When Christ died on the cross, he took on himself the sin of the entire world, including yours, including when a person puts their faith in Christ, when a person reaches out to Christ and says, I believe you did that. I put my confidence and trust in the fact that you died on the cross for me to remove my sin, to wash away all the shame, all the guilt. When a person trusts Christ and what he did on the cross, that person becomes a son or a daughter of God. Perhaps today, perhaps right now is the moment where you make that choice and you make that decision. I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to join a religion, and neither is God. God is inviting you into a personal relationship with himself by trusting Christ. Would you like to have your sins forgiven? Would you like to become a brand new person? Would you like to have all the shame and all the guilt removed from your life? Step into this very moment right now. Put your trust in Christ. He'll save you, and he'll make you one of his kids. You can do it by saying a simple prayer. The prayer sounds like this. God, come into my life. Wash me, cleanse me, make me your child. I trust that you died on the cross for my sin. Be my savior. Something like that. You can take these words right now, say them to God. It's a prayer he loves to answer, and you can become a brand new person right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? with me? If you feel God tugging on your heart on your heart right now, this moment is for you. Step into it. Say these words. Dear Jesus, I trust you. I put my confidence in you. I believe you died on the cross for me to wash away all my sin, all my shame, all my guilt, to make me one of your children. And in my life, Right now, fill me with your spirit. In this very moment, be my God. And from this day forward, with your strength, working in me, help me to live a life that honors you and brings a smile to your face. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Can we give God glory today for what he's done? Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we rejoice with you, don't we, church? Let's hear it nice and loud. We rejoice with you. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make, putting your trust and faith in Christ. Here's what I want you to do. If you put your faith in Christ, I want you to be bold. I want you to go back there and I want you to, there's tables back here to my right and to my left, to your right and to your left, and grab one of these Bibles. Here's why. Because as you begin reading God's Word, here's what He does. He begins to speak to you every single day. He begins to show you what His will is. He begins to show you how He thinks about this life. He begins to show you the changes that He wants to make inside of you. He begins to reveal His will as you read His Word. And that is why we're so passionate about giving away these Bibles. So if you pray to receive Christ today, for absolutely no charge to you, grab one of those Bibles in the back and and begin reading on today's date and and watch what happens in your life. You're going to see him start to transform your life. One more time, please give God (laughs) praise today for what he's done. Now, as you leave here, as you leave here, last thing I'm going to say. Put somebody on your donkey. Let's go. Let's go. Start verbing somebody. Verb your kids. Verb your spouse. Verb that roommate. I know they don't appreciate it. Do it anyway, okay? Take action because love is a verb. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for leading by example. Thank you for coming to this earth and taking action, laying your life down so that we could have life. Help us to follow your example. This is a must thing, not a should thing. And Father, as we love people well, I pray that those deficits would close and their relationships would get better and better and better, all for your glory. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Hey, next week, week number two of love is a word, bring a verb, bring a friend. God bless you, see you next week.